Imagine being able to ask any question about church issues and practices at any time. Imagine getting a response in 24 hours or less. Imagine a team led by Tom Rayner answering your questions. It's like having your own church consultant on staff, and it's only $14.97 per month. That's only 49 cents per day, and there's no long-term commitment. You can try it today at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. You'll also get a free virtual staff meeting led by Tom Rayner every single month. Again, join us at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. Got church questions? Get church answers. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. The thing I always say is that we are actually leading churches just like you. So this Sunday we preached and uh, this Sunday you preached and we're right here in the middle of it with you. Not just thinking about this, we're actually doing it. I'm joined as always with my good friend and um, co-host Sam Rayner from the great state of Florida. How is it going, Sam? Man, bring on the sunshine. The heat is in full effect. It's fantastic. Um, is baseball still happening? Is that still oh, a thing? Oh, come on. We're going to do this. I'm just asking for real. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, I've got two. Is it still happening this season? And is our country still even watching this thing? I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so lost by it. But I am pretty excited because preseason activities have begun for, for the football. So I'm preseason football is the most meaningless endeavor that I can think of. Um, I mean, we're just going to disagree on that because <laughs> y- y'all have like 300 games and most of them <laughs> don't matter at all. So, um, so you know, yeah, we have a few that don't Let's matter. See, you, you, you just isolated half of our listeners and I just isolated the other half. So every, yeah. everyone's mad now. Well, I think you isolated half. I isolated like three of y'all that still watch baseball. But, you know, that's the thing. Hey. Let us know on Twitter. You baseball fan? Y'all still watch that? That's a interesting You're going to be thing surprised. There's a, there's a lot of us baseball guys out there. And gals, not just guys. But of course, of course. My wife um, likes baseball. My wife likes baseball, too. Um, she's a big baseball-y person. Um, so, <laughs> so sometimes we go, and sometimes I nap, and she watches the I'm game. I'm glad to know she's a baseball-y person. That, <laughs> that the greatest compliment ever that you have baseball person. All right. So <laughs> we've got an interesting topic because uh, you wrote an article for the ERLC, the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. I guess you just wrote it and then they posted it. I don't know if you wrote it for them. No, they actually asked me. Uh, they, they sought me out and said, can you write about what's going on at West Bradenton? And, uh, sure. Um, so we're going to introduce that idea. So what is going on at West Bradenton? So we were, well, there's a lot going on. I mean, I, you know, we're doing a renovation, and we've got these new ministries. and uh, But that's not the topic today. Topic today no, ERLC is, did not ask you about your, your new chairs. No, although I am – I, I got to put this out there on the Internet because, okay. I, you know, the office that I'm – it's a temporary office because we're renovating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've got these metal chairs that I've been sitting on in this temporary office, and they have these ladybug – seat cushions which you guys mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. 
joked uh, about. But in the corner, I haven't even gone here yet. In the corner, I, we have a chair from the nineteen late sixties, maybe hmm. early nineteen seventies, hmm. and it is an bright orange shag chair. Wow! That has somehow survived all these years here at West Bradenton, sitting in a corner, just sitting there. It's just sitting there next to a fake tree. What do they call? What are they, a ficus? Ficus a tree. Ficus. I yes. like ficus. A lot of people rip those things out of everywhere, but I like them. But it's I mean, fake. It's plastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. I don't. I'm all right with that. Is this orange? Is this um, disgusting Tennessee orange or dull Oklahoma State orange, or is this you know beautiful Texas Longhorn orange? It's it, it has faded into a more beautiful Texas Longhorn mm. orange. I like it. I like it. Because it's over by the window. Now, the original orange, I, I can't speak to that. But. Is it one of those, like, the front is, like, one color, and you turn it around, the back is, like, a deeper color? No, nah, man, the whole the thing's sun. orange. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is this shag-looking orange. So, again, not talking about your chairs, but I am fascinated by this orange chair. What are you guys doing that caught the ERLC's attention? Yeah, well, we're digging into our, I mean, to give you a big, like, big picture mm-hmm. kind of perspective, we're digging into our community. We, we so, asked the question, what's the worst problem in our community? And who did you Brady, ask that question of? The church, the community, or just theologically, like just kind of on a marker board, some leadership? Uh, we, well, it's obvious for us in our community what the worst problem right. is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, addiction is just a major, major issue. It's, it's the case in a lot of communities, but we're the worst spot in Florida, hmm. particularly for heroin addiction. Or to be more general, opioids or opiates, depending on, you know, which part of the country you're from. (laughs) Well, no, (laughs) there is a small (laughs) distinction, but I won't get into that for the sake of the podcast. Okay. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of opioids here. It goes back to the pill mills that Florida shut down. So Florida, mid-2000s, set up a lot of these pill mills. um, Explain that. What's a pill mill? Well, it's uh, oxycodone, things like that, Mm -hmm. um, where if you have, quote-unquote, pain issues... You could go to these, you know, quote unquote doctors in these storefronts and they would prescribe to you massive amounts of um, opioids, which were legal drugs. But they prescribed them in ways that, you know, was obviously a a sham. Mm. So uh, and there's, you know, there was a lot of doctors prescribing. And I say doctors loosely because, you know, real doctors wouldn't do this. But um, there were a lot of doctors prescribing. They had demons. The doctors. That kind of doctor, like, quote-unquote, demons? No, no, no. Well, I mean, I, I, honestly, some of them were on the level of witch doctors. I mean, they, they were some really shady characters doing Can some I, really bad stuff. You know, I this is a little thing about me that people laugh at all the time, but I grew up in a household where we did not go to the doctor, ever. We didn't take medicine because we just couldn't afford it. Not the medicine. I guess we could afford Tylenol or whatever. But we couldn't afford deductibles, that sort of thing. So... I mean, you had to be, you know, bone sticking out of the arm for you to, you know, get medical attention. Otherwise, you just lay down, took a nap. That was that was our medicine for everything. So, even as a thirty-five-year-old man, like half a Tylenol will make me like drowsy for a day and a half because I'm just so sensitive to any sort of medicines. Are you that way? Or are you that kind of person that can like crunch five Tylenol or oh no, five I mean, Advil no, just I don't, because I, I don't I don't take medicine hmm. that much so. Yeah, I don't either. Melatonin I mean, one, one Advil is, will like, do it for me if yeah. it's a headache or something. I don't get headaches that much. It's just so. interesting. I know some preachers that are just like, I mean, 
They just wake up in the morning and start eating Advil. And just go. No. Of no. 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 My father-in-law was telling me about eating it, just crunching it, not swallowing the pill. He just crunched it. In that sounds stuff. like a. That sounds like a problem. Well, he doesn't do it all the time. He just. <laughs> I mean, I, let I me clarify he need, here. He's I think you might a, need to switch over to M and M's. He's not. <laughs> I mean, if you're crunching Advil, I, I think, l- l- listen, I know M&Ms aren't great for you, but it's better than crunching on Advil. It's, it's just, better just switch than over that. to M&Ms. No, he just doesn't swallow it like a normal person. He just <laughs> crunches it. It's gross. Um, so anyways, we're talking about these opioid addictions. And yeah. uh, how do, and so that, is this considered like a white collar type of problem? Oh, or? no, 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 no. It's, no? it's uh, so the, the rich hide it better and the poor get arrested more, mm. but it's all there. Yeah. So Florida, Florida shut down these pill mills, quote unquote, mm-hmm. and- the addicts stayed. So we, we had people pouring in from out of state to get prescriptions and things. Well, all the addicts stayed, and they just switched over to heroin because mm. heroin's cheaper. Mm. Um, I, ironically, um, you, you wouldn't think that that'd be the case, but heroin's heroin's pretty cheap around here. You can get it for, I mean, some places you can get it for like ten bucks a bag. Really? Um, so yeah, it's dirt cheap. People are really you know addicted to this stuff. It's nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah. So our community is eaten up with it. Um, you know, we have, you know, it's always, we're one num- number one or number two in terms of overdose rates and addiction issues and all of that per capita in our, in our city. So we, we just, my, uh, my student pastor actually started the movement. Um, okay. Raul just got up in front of the church. Kind of surprised me. You know, it's always nice when the student pastor surprises, surprises you. Surprises you. Yeah at, a, yeah, at a business meeting. Um, but in this case, he was re- he was right. I mean, he was spot yeah. on. And he just he just said, "I'm tired of people dying." Because mm-hmm. literally, I mean, it, we had people connected to our church, you know, family members that were ODing, dying. It was just, just bad. Um, so we just decided to start something, and we didn't even really know what we were starting. Uh, we just knew we had to do something. So we formed. We started with this idea of you know, basically, you know, as where a lot of people start raising awareness. Um, and then we moved into this idea of doing a, a 5K where you could w- w- walk or run um, in, in honor of or, mem- you know, in remembrance of somebody. And from there, it just blossomed. We started becoming the gatekeeper of all these ministries, these local ministries that weren't connected. Um, so we found out, you know, we networked. We found out who was doing what ministry in the area in terms of addiction. And so people, people started talking about, okay, well, West Bradenton's actually trying, um, and uh, from that, you know, from, from that, you know, after getting connected to ministries, being the gatekeeper for these ministries, understanding who was doing what, our, our congregation figured out that because of the addiction problem, it produces a lot of foster kids. So we're also not only are we number one in addiction in Florida, we're number one in removal rates of children. And the reason that we're number one in removal rates of children from homes is because people are, people are, you OD. know. ODing or addicted. and the kids get removed. So then we mm-hmm. started fostering. Um, we just have this wave of foster children at our church because, you know, we ask the question, what do we do? It's one thing to raise awareness. It's one thing to, you know, have a 5K once a year. It's one thing to be the gatekeeper. All those are great things, by the way. But, like, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Because mm-hmm. ministering to addicts is tough. I mean, it's it's hard. I mean, well, they don't show up to your meetings. They don't do sure. counseling well. I mean, it, it's hard. Let me back up a little bit here for our listeners, and they're thinking, okay, you know, that sounds like a good place to go. How do you get started for your congregation, for your community? Obviously, if you're number one or two, it's hitting the headlines. It's it's newsworthy. Oh, all how, the time, every day. How, how would you describe, I mean, I've got some ideas as well, but how would you help a 
church discover like you asked what's the greatest problem in our community what are ways to find that out if it's not something as let's say obvious or flashy or headline grabbing yeah well i mean honestly it's back to that point of fostering if you want to know the community's greatest sins start fostering in your church Hmm. get five ten twenty families to foster get one family to foster Mm -hmm. and you will find the, the greatest issues in the community um, so we ended up fostering because of the addiction crisis here, the opi- opioid crisis. Yeah. But if you're clueless, which a lot of churches are, let's just be real. If right. you ask most churches, what's the biggest issue in the community? What's the biggest problem in the community? They don't have a, they don't have a clue. Right. Um, I would. And I, the problem it, with that is that, you know, a lot of our ministries in some churches are geared towards answering problems nobody's asking or, yes. you know, solving issues nobody's asking. And so... You know, a lot of churches put a lot of effort into like a Wednesday night dinner, and those are great. And if that, but if that's the biggest thing you do, and it's, you know, that's not really the struggle that 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 maybe your community's dealing with. And you could take that with anything. Um, mm-hmm. VBS, which we had a show, which was a great show, and VBS is good. But um, if that's the biggest thing you do, maybe you're not actually answering the problems that people are facing, and that's the reason the church sometimes feels a little bit you know, disconnected, out of date. So, yeah. So we started fostering, man. And if you want to know the the sins of your community, foster, because the reason that children are being removed from homes is often the biggest issue in the community. Um, You know, this is the state, this is the government saying you can't raise your own children. So um, whatever's there is obviously very, very bad. Um, In our case, it's addiction. And and we just started fostering. And we've got these beautiful kids um, that have come into the life of our church. Um, what it also does is it, since we partner with uh, our state convention, and I know that we have listeners that aren't inside the denomination that we're a part of, the Southern Baptist Convention, so we have a state convention that kind of oversees everything, and uh, they have a partnership with a children's home that licenses people. So we went through the quote-unquote Christian licensing agency that's local here, and we're able to form this great partnership in terms of gospel opportunities. So one of the things that, you know, when you get licensed to foster, you can get licensed to foster in many different ways, but this, most states have some sort of Christian organization that'll do it. Right. And hopefully most of them tell you, they should, that the purpose of doing this is obviously to help kids get into good homes, but another key purpose is to share the gospel with them. So for us, it wasn't just oh, well, let's just take care of kids. I mean, that's critically important. But for us, it was also, we're going to have an opportunity to share Christ with children. And what's the name of the organization there in Florida? So uh, it's called One More Child. Okay, cool. Um, Formerly the Florida Baptist Children's Home. Uh, We are in Texas. So if you're a listener and you're in Florida, that's who you hook up with. If you're here, the two largest are Buckner and um, Arrow. Those are the, the ones that we've vetted quite frequently and and do good work, and I'm sure there's some in any state. But even those, Buckner is a, you know, a national one, and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of things. But I do, a lot. We get the question all the time. I mean, and I'm sure you do as well. What agency did you go through? Who, who's somebody I can call? And and really, that's as varied as the children that you're going to minister to. It, d- it depends on the situation, if the state is involved or not, if it's private, open, closed, all of those sort of things. Um, but specifically what we're talking about now is foster care. So the state is involved, and um, they are 
the children of the state is the way that they they believe it or the state sees it and so you've got to meet their standards and and i think you're right there and that was one of the questions i was going to get to is the gospel um sort of implication to it but i do have another question what if some of the people in your congregation are like yeah let's just go to the heroin thing you know yeah that's a problem but they they brought that on themselves you know, like sometimes you'll hear that with the homeless and we don't want that kind of people in here. And they'll couch it in phrases like, you know, I don't want a heroin addict near my teenage daughter. I don't want a heroin addict near my, you know, fourth grade son. It just, how, how do you lead the church into seeing a problem that many of them don't regularly see? Yeah. Uh, because they live in a little bit more nicer areas or a bubble or something. Yeah, I mean, you certainly get the church bubble in some churches. Um, if they're, let me let me tell you, in in most cases, the addicts are not the ones you need to worry about. Like, mm. I I take my kids with me downtown. We feed the homeless. I'll talk about that here in a second. I take all of my kids with me to go serve this particular part of our community. The the homeless, the addicts. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's some issues there sometimes. It, it, the addicts are not really the people I'm most concerned about. It's the dealers that are at the schools that I'm concerned about. Mm. So if, if if you're saying, well, I don't want that kind of person next to my kid, I said they are. Yeah. They're in your schools, and your kids need to learn some street smarts to understand who's doing good stuff, who's doing bad stuff, because if you're trying to shield your kid, Christian school, public school, doesn't matter. If you're doesn't. trying to shield your kid from drugs, you're just not going to be able to do it. And you need to give them some sense about what's legit, what's not legit, who they should talk to, who they shouldn't talk to. Let me tell you, my kids will be way wiser when it comes to the kinds of people that they need to be interacting with because we're doing this ministry. No, that's not why we're doing the ministry, but it's a fruit of the ministry. Also, the effects. It helps for your children to see how this actually turns out. Oh, yeah. It doesn't turn out well at all. Yeah, they don't show you that picture when they're selling it to you or introducing it to you. So. You know, I've rarely had an issue with an addict on the street that I'm that I'm serving. I, I mm-hmm. guess it does happen, and there's some horror stories, but that's the case of anywhere for anything. Any um, kind of ministry at all, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you do ministry at all, period, you're going you're gonna to have issues. But how do you get them to see it? How do you, you know, do you take them down? Is that what you're saying here? Like bring the members down into the areas where it's affected or? That's what we do. Okay. We hit the streets, man. So we, we, uh, we're blessed with two people in our church who uh, feed the homeless every day, 365 mm-hmm. days a year. Uh, uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, doesn't matter. They're out there every morning feeding them breakfast. So we have a constant uh, need for volunteers to help, and we're sending our people um, to, to be a part of that effort. Um, you know, it's hard. It's gritty. It's tough. Um, you don't always see the fruit immediately. For every success story, there's a hundred that fail. So it's uh, it's difficult ministry. But what it's doing is it's putting our our own people in front of those who uh, really are the least of these. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that in a kind and gentle way. Um, and we're able to serve them. It gives people a different perspective. It gives them gospel opportunities. I mean, every time we serve with what's called downtown ministries. Um, Every time we serve, there's a gospel opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's giving our people a sense of wisdom and shrewdness and understanding that some of them didn't have before. Um, it's giving them a sense of perspective on life. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many positive spiritual effects to to this kind of ministry. I don't know why more, more churches don't do it. 
Because let me tell you, you can grow slowly in maturity in the pews. I mean, you can sit there out in the seats and sit under a great teacher, and you'll grow slowly, and you'll you'll do well. But, man, you make leaps when you hit the streets and you minister on the streets. Yeah. I mean, it, you want to grow spiritually, get out on the streets and serve serve your community, Completely whatever that is. Agree. It may not be yeah. the homeless. You, you may live in a part of town that doesn't have a homeless problem. Right. But I guarantee you there is another problem that's there that needs to be addressed. And, and likely, likely, if it's tough stuff, there are very few churches, if any, that are doing it. And that's what we found with heroin, with addiction, with the homeless that we're serving, which, by the way, there's a lot of overlap between those two sure, things. Sure, obviously. Um, Did y'all do um, any sort of like... Synergy, did you say, okay, how can our children's ministry play into this? How can our student ministry play into this? Like pushing every, mm-hmm. everybody pushing in the same direction? What did that look like? Yeah, so our students do like yard work and stuff like that for mm-hmm. families of addicts. Okay. Um, so we do, we do a lot of ministry, not to the addicts themselves. I mean, we serve them, we feed them, but most of our ministry is geared towards the family members of addicts or the close associates or friends of addicts because they're the ones who, who really, really suffer. Um, they're yeah. the ones who have a sense of hopelessness. So we're often, you know, helping out do yard work or, you know, serving in someone's home. And this um, is the role you guys play, whereas, as you said, gatekeepers, there's others that are dealing directly with the addict and addiction recovery and those sort of things, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah we, we don't have, uh, you know, a, a, an addiction recovery ministry at our church. Um, if it ever did happen, I'd be open to it, but that's a very specific kind of Focus training and that insurance. only a handful yeah. of people will be able to be a part of. If God gave us that, great. We'd be all about it. But we've been more focused on the spiritual side of things, meeting people's needs, uh, sharing the gospel. Um, so, a lot, yeah, a lot of people go into addiction ministry and think that they need to do counseling and they need to, you know, get addicts out of their addiction and all of that. And, and yeah, those are really good things, and that needs to happen. That but needs often, to happen, sure, yeah. But often the church is not equipped to do those things. And um, so, so you need to start guys, in a different direction. Right. You guys are what I would call a medium-sized church. Um, you know, it's just a relative term. There's nothing wrong with using relative terms. And so uh, a lot of our listeners are at smaller churches, and, and they're thinking, you know, man, something like a heroin problem is a huge chunk for us to bite off. Real quickly, and, and we're, we're already out of time, how would you say um, some tiptoes are getting started in – answering the big questions of your community. Yeah, go to your, just, just start with your key leaders. If you are completely clueless, go to the mayor, go to the school superintendent, go to your teachers and say and just ask, what ask can the we question. Do? Yeah. And and often you will have five or six answers there. And often your church will be able to do one of those things. Um and even in the talking, problem you're doing, it wasn't a huge financial thing. It was more manpower. A lot of manpower. Yeah, yeah, it's not a big financial burden on us at all. It's just it's just time. There you go. And anybody can do that. Any size church can contribute manpower and volunteerism. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just a few help in a massive way. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see where it goes and the fruit that I'm sure will come out in the years for it. But um, any upcoming things that you're really excited about in the area of heroin addiction? Well, nothing in heroin addiction excites me, Josh. But, I know, um, but the ministry to heroin addicts <laughs> and their families. Yeah, uh, we're beginning to see some... Uh, we're beginning to see some fruit from the kids. Cool. Uh, kids accepting Christ, kids coming out of dangerous situations, gangs and things like that. So when you minister to the kids, often you see uh, a little more fruit because you're able to pull them out of it more quickly than, mm-hmm. say, an adult. Um, so we've, we've put a lot of effort into serving children and seen some amazing fruit from it. Yeah, cool. Well, as always, if you want to connect with Sam more, you can do that on Twitter. 
at Sam Rayner and um, follow us on our Twitter account at EST Church. We appreciate you listening and we'll check you next week. Have a great one. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.